Well, today we're beginning a new series called Heart, Mind, and Soul, The Battle Begins. Let me tell you, it began a long time ago, but I think we need to be reminded that the battle has begun. When we go through troubling times, the enemy will attack us in these three areas of our lives, heart, mind, and soul. Once he has taken ground on these three fronts, he has control of our life. And he can even take just a little portion of it. You can think, oh, Brenda, it's just, yeah, it's just human nature. It's okay to have these thoughts. It's okay to feel this way. It's all right to be moody. It's, well, it's, I'm at that age. But it's not okay. You give the devil even a foothold, a small portion of any one of these three territories, and he will have control of your life. Think about the rudder on a ship. It's so small, and yet it can steer that whole ship. It's the same way with our lives. We can give the devil just a little bit, and he has control of our whole life. Right here, this is what I want to talk about over these next few weeks, is heart, mind, and soul. This is where the battle begins. The heart is the place where trust is built. Trust is built here. So when we allow doubt to come in, even a little doubt, it will break our ability to trust. Our mind is where tenacity is strong, like a fuel that will keep us going, but it's also where temptation starts. And temptation will always throw your life into neutral. And you'll sit there spinning and spinning and spinning and wondering why nothing ever gets done. Why do I seem I'm always in this place in my life? I can never seem to get over it. Well, you can't go anywhere if you allow even that slightest temptation to throw you into neutral. Your soul is where temperance brings peace to your life. But when we allow this instability of emotions to control us, we'll never have peace. It's like a big whirlwind, a tornado called, place your name wherever you'd like. And in that instability, there is no peace. So in your heart, mind, and soul, these are the battlegrounds that the enemy wants to take control of. We must have control in all three of these fronts in order to remain victorious in our Christian lives. There's nothing more sad than a Christian who lives their life as if they are defeated. Because we know you're not defeated. If you're a Christian, you are not defeated. But when they live their life as a defeated individual, there's nothing more said. Okay, wait a minute. I think only a balloon that's filled up with air instead of helium could be more sad. I mean, you ever get a string and you blow it up and it's like, mm, just kind of drops. That's sad. That poor little balloon wants to be filled up with helium. That's kind of like our life. We are made to soar. But when we blow our own oxygen into it, we don't go anywhere. Just kind of hang there off the edge of the string. God says, you are victorious. I've already given you the victory. But we have to have control of these three fronts. 
Today I want to focus on preparing for the attacks. And then over the next few weeks, we'll talk specifically about the heart, the mind, and the soul. So let's open up in prayer. Father, I just thank you, God, for your word. I thank you that you are such a complex God, yet you communicate things so simple to us that we can understand, that, that you are so full of knowledge, and yet you instill in us your wisdom, that we can understand your word and apply your word like a salve to our wounded spirits, to our wounded hearts, to our wounded minds, and you are our healing. You are our healer. You guide us, you comfort us, and you lead us, and we thank you for that today, Lord, and we ask that you continue to open up our ears and open up our heart to receive your word and to live your word. In Jesus' name, amen. When a soldier is sent to war, there is a process to prepare him for the mission. There is special training he is given, immunizations for any diseases that he might uh, encounter, and there is a description of the mission he's given, which is called the battle plan. Before he goes to war, he must be prepared mentally, physically, for the task at hand. And the same is true for us as Christians. We are Christian soldiers. We must be prepared for what we will encounter on the battlefield. We must be prepared physically, mentally, and spiritual, spiritually for the battle that we will face. And today's point is prepare for the battle that will come and fight for freedom. You see, we must prepare. R.A. Torrey, who is a powerful, powerful evangelist in the early 1900s, also a famous author, I've read many of his books, he said the reason why many fail in battle is because they wait until the hour of battle to prepare. The reason why others succeed is because they have gained their victory on their knees long before the battle came. We must anticipate our battles. Fight them on our knees before temptation comes, and you will always have that victory. And that leads us to fighting for our freedom. We need to prepare for the battle that will come, and we need to fight for our freedom. You know, we just celebrated the 4th of July on Friday. It's a day to celebrate our freedom, our declared independence from the oppression of Great Britain. Think about it. When our founding fathers decided to declare independence, they knew that meant war. They couldn't just declare independence. They had to fight for their freedom. Through this series, we're going to discover our freedom, freedom from all oppression that the enemy will try to attack us with. But we can't just declare our freedom. We have to fight Prepare for that battle and fight for our freedom. So let's do this. Like, like I said earlier, like a soldier has to go through classroom time, do their book work, and they're trained that way. And then they're pulled outside and they're put on the battlefield uh, look-alike thing or whatever it's called, replica. And they're given hands-on training then. They're given equipment. So right now, for the next few minutes, Let's look at what I want to title our classroom work, 
preparing for the battle. Turn with me over to Deuteronomy chapter 20. Deuteronomy chapter 20. And, and don't be embarrassed to use that little thing right in the front of your Bible that's called the index. I, I don't feel any shame when I have to turn to that. I am so glad, though, that I use version and the Bible app. I just click up there, and it points me right to it. only thing I have to remember is that Old Testament or New Testament. It's the top of the page or bottom of the page. Deuteronomy chapter 20. Starting at verse 1, it says, When you go to war, when you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them. Because the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt will be with you. When you are about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. He shall say, Hear, O Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. For the Lord your God is the one who gives who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. There's three important points I want to look at for preparing for battle from this scripture alone. The first thing is God said, when you go to war. Maybe you didn't realize, but when you were born, you were born into a war. There is a war going on. You can say, oh, I don't want to be in the war. I want to be in peace. Well, then you better pick the winning side. Because there's only peace on the winning side. He said, when you go to war. God never said, if you face trials or temptations. He said, when. As a matter of fact, in John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus said, I've told you this. You are going to have trouble. You are going to war. You will face trials. But I've told you this so that you can take heart. Have courage. Be strengthened. Don't be faint-hearted. I've overcome the world. You can have peace. God said, when, when you go to war, you will have trouble when you go to war. Number two, God said, I will be with you. God never said he will remove you from war. He never said, I'll remove you from trials. I'll remove you from trouble. But he did say he will always be with us. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He could have pulled them out of the fire, but he was with them in the fire. When the disciples were in the boat and that storm came upon them and they thought they were going to die, where was Jesus? He was with them in the boat. 
He had peace. They could have had peace. What about Paul and Silas when they were thrown in the prison? I mean, you think about the prison at that time. I have to admit, I've been thrown in jail in my former life a few times, and in the nice cell, there's a toilet, especially in the drunk tank, they call it, when they throw you in there straight off the street. There is a toilet. You're not handcuffed anywhere. Once they throw you in the cell, you're no handcuffs, but there's the toilet right there in the middle of everywhere. But in Paul and Silas's day, they were chained up against a wall. The toilet was right there, wherever you sat. And usually the sewers, if where they, they drained through them. So they were setting, and there is no, you know, night light on, no Barney night light along the walls. It's dark, because it said in the midnight hour, in the darkest of their prison cells, setting in the sewer of all sewers, they began to sing. Why? Because Jesus was with them. They had peace, knowing that Jesus was with them. God never said, I'm going to pull you from it, but I will be with you in it. <laughs> the storm we just had Tuesday reminded me when I was growing up and going through tornadoes. We lived out in the country. Uh, my dad, most of my um, childhood years, worked at GM, and I don't know if it was considered third shift or second shift, but it seemed like me, my sister, and my mom was always home alone at night, and that's usually when the tornadoes would come. I don't know why, but how the enemy of this world works but when dad wasn't home and we heard that there's a tornado warning we would go cowering in the basement under the steps pillows and blankets and us three girls and usually crying of some sort or Shh, listen 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 like we were going to hear something which a couple times we did but when dad was with us we all stood out on the front porch or the back porch and watching the storm i remember one house we watched the tornado coming right up the back property. We didn't have a basement in the house that we were living in at that time. So we're standing there watching. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world to watch. And I was so brave knowing my dad was standing right here beside me. And we was watching that tornado coming up the back property, and he yells out, okay, go get the dog, go get the cat, go get the bird, go get in the Jeep, we're getting ready to leave. But there was no fear. We wasn't afraid because Dad was with us. And that storm reminded that we had Tuesday just reminded me of that. Yeah, God didn't say he'll take you from the storm. He'll be with you in the storm. And that's even cooler. Because the things you get to see and experience, your dad's strength and his power and his protection through the storms, through the trials, through the temptation, in the message version of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it reads, No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit, and he'll always be there to help you come through it. He said, I will be with you. The third thing is, God said, I will fight for you. I will fight for you. In Exodus 14, 
in verse 13 and 14, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You know why he is telling them to be still? Because what's our human nature? Run. Run, hide. Run, hide. Well, when you run, you hide. You can't see anything. Your papa daddy is standing beside you. He's going to fight for you. Stand there and watch him do it. How awesome is that? He will fight for you. God's strength, not your strength. For some reason, God chooses to partner with us. I don't know why. I just enjoy it. I love it. It's kind of like this uh, scene. I used to watch Happy Days growing up. I know now. I watched it, and I'm like, gee, that was kind of, you know. Anyway, wasn't the cleanest show, but used to watch Happy Days. And there was one episode where Richie, the skinny, scrawny little friend, thought he would muster up all his strength and try to face this gang on his own. So in his little bitty, probably 130-pound frame, he puffs out his chest and he stands facing these guys knowing he's probably going to get beat up because the guys were all, what did they call them back then, hoodlums? Hoodlums? Brian, i got to go to you, Brian, because you're the old one in the group. No, okay. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, Fred. But Richie stands there with his chest puffed up, and he's thinking, okay, you know, I'm strong. I can do this. And the guys were starting to come close to him as the Fonz steps in behind him without Richie noticing it. And he flexes his muscles just a bit, and the whole group starts backing up. Well, Richie thinks it's because he puffed out his chest. And he's starting to scare them. So then he starts getting even bolder, and he's starting to step up on them. Yeah, that's right. You want to run? Look at these. And he's shaking his little skinny arms while the Fonz is standing behind him. He didn't realize was doing all the scaring on his own. And then he turns as the group starts running out, turns and slips out. So Richie turns around, and he looks. He's like, yeah, I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm bad. Not knowing all the while he had a big brother the Fonz standing right behind him. God chooses to use us. But he said, I will fight for you. I'll be your rear guard. He says, go ahead, because the armor that we'll talk about in a few minutes all protects our front. And God said, don't worry about the back. I got your back. I got your back. But he'll use us, and he'll fight through us. So it's not our power. It's not our strength. It's God's. He puts his super, I've said it before, into our natural, and that's when we'll see supernatural miracles. But we can't run. We have to stand. Stand still and watch him fight for us. And number four, God said, I will give you the victory. He'll fight. He'll do everything, but he'll give you the victory for it. As a matter of fact, you've already won. We're already victorious. The victory is ours in Christ. It says, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. He's telling us again in 1 Corinthians 15, stand firm. 
Let nothing move you because you are victorious. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain because you are on the winning side. You have already won. Our only responsibility is to stand. Don't let the enemy take any ground. Stand. So this is the plan. This is God's plan. This is the battle plan. This was your classroom lesson there. We can trust his word. We can expect him to act according to his word. He will do what he said he would do. The plan is already put in motion. So now it's time, now that you know the plan, now it's time to do the hands-on training here. Now it's time ready to get dressed for battle. Now you know what the battle plan is. Now it's time to get dressed for battle because what? The battle will come. You will face a battle. For a soldier, there is nothing more important in battle than his gear, knowing what he has at his disposal and how to use it. Many Christians today are being beaten up by the enemy simply because they don't dress for battle. God has given us a whole armor. And in his word, he teaches us how to use every weapon. Yet we walk around naked. Thinking by God's great mercy, he'll just see us through. Well, he will, but you're going to get beat up. If that's the, what you want to do, if you want to walk around naked, not walking around in your armor, not walking around yielding the equipment, the weapons that he's given you, you will get beaten up. And I don't like to be beaten up. I don't like to run around naked. So when I heard that there was an armor years and years ago, I started studying the armor. Okay, this is something I have to do. I have to put the, I'm in a battle. You're in a battle. This is a war. So turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. I don't care if you've read it a thousand, a hundred times. You're going to read it again like you've never read it before. Look at it. Ephesians chapter 6. starting down at verse 10. The armor of God. The armor that God has given you. In verse 10 it says, Finally, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the enemy's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when, when the day, not if the day, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, I think they're trying to tell us something here. Stand firm then 
with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And verse 18, and, not or, and, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Boy, there's a lot of repetitive words in there. And, and I don't know about you, but growing up, I realized I needed to learn to listen to the things that kept getting repeated. So when I look back over this, I actually go back through my Bible because with the, or my paper Bible, or the, I start highlighting anytime I see repetitive words trying to tell me something. Stand, stand, stand. Oh, and when you're done standing, stand some more. And then, therefore, stand and stand. And it's not in your strength, it's in his power and in his strength. And you're going to pray at all times, all kinds of prayers for all kinds of people. Oh, by the way, you're going to pray always, over and over again. You can see he's trying to tell us something. We don't get to put on parts of the armor. He says put on the full armor. You notice he doesn't, and I didn't catch it in this, but it talks about putting on your armor daily. Because as a soldier, it's not too comfortable to sleep with all that armor on. So anytime throughout the day when you rest, I don't know about you, but when I get home and wherever I've been doing, I have comfies I put on. I call them my comfies. So I get home, done with my business for the day, I even tell my husband, I even tell the dogs, I'm going to put my comfies on. And I go back to my closet and I get out my comfies. My comfies means I'm not going anywhere for the night. Once I get those comfies on, I'm in for the night. As a matter of fact, if somebody says, hey, Brandy, I'm in my comfies. I'm not going anywhere. You can come over, but I've told Terry before, I'm already in my comfies. You can come over, but I'm in my comfies. It's not beautiful. It's usually one of his old T-shirts I have on and some cropped-off sweatpants or something that I wear, but they're my comfies, and it's okay. That's why God didn't tell you to put on your armor, and he expects you to be at war even while you sleep. Go ahead. You can rest, but you have to put that armor on daily. When you get up in the morning, start putting it on. Start talking it through. And I'm going to encourage you at the end of this message, and I'm going to challenge you to learn and study what that armor is and all those pieces so that every day you can be fully equipped to face every battle when, not if, when it comes your way, because it will. Verse 12 says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I want to take just a side note right here and talk about this. He specifically pointed out our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but what is our first action when something comes our way? We think we can handle it. Well, I'll take care of this. I'll do this. 
Well, that's flesh and blood trying to fight against something that is not flesh and blood. Well, Brenda, it came to me in a flesh and blood, you know, well, no. But our struggle is not against flesh and blood. As a matter of fact, when we try to step up and take care of things ourselves, we usually end up messing them up or delaying our answer because we stand in the way. We get involved in something that we can't even change. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, so stop trying to fix it with flesh and blood. Pray and pray all occasions, all kinds of prayers, all this in mind. Be alert and always keep praying all the time. Because your battle, your struggle is not against flesh and blood. So now it's time to get ready to fight. The battle has begun. The battle begins. As a pass- in the passage we read earlier in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 2 it says, When you are about to go into battle, the priest will come forward and address the army. So here I am today. You are God's army. I stand up here today, and as a matter of fact, if I could, I would have painted my face blue or kilt and screamed out with my best Mel Gibson voice, freedom! Because I just love that. It just riles me up. It's me. Yeah! But God called us out, said the priest's going to come out in his best Mel Gibson impersonation, and he's going to tell you this. And he even tells the priest what to say. So here it is. I'm going to tell you again. We are going into battle. You will face your enemies. But don't be faint-hearted. Don't be afraid. Don't panic. And don't be terrified by them, even when they outnumber you. Because God is with you. God will fight for you, and God will give you victory. All you have to do is stand and watch. Put on that full armor and stand there with your chest pushed out. All the confidence God can muster and all his strength and all his might through you. Stand there and watch. God has given you the victory. So here's the battle. I wanted us to prepare for the battle. Now you know the battle plan. You know how you need to get dressed for battle. And you know how to fight for the freedom. So next week, we're going to dive into the heart, the following week, the mind, and the following week, the soul, because I want you to be aware what happens on those battlefields. Those three areas that you are called to defend in your life. And if you're the husband, you are called to defend it in your home. You are called to be the keeper of what's allowed in your home. So you not only have to be the defender of your heart, mind, and soul, you have to be the watcher and the keeper of those that are in your household and what's allowed in their heart, mind, and soul. So I want to close today with a couple things right before we take communion. Number one, I want to encourage you, I want to remind you, you can't have one foot in the world 
one foot on one side of the line and one foot on the other side of the line. There is a war and there is a battle line. You can't keep running back and forth. As a matter of fact, what do they call people who run back and forth? Coward, a traitor. And what do you do with traitors? <laughs> death. They deserve death. A traitor is held to the death penalty. You can't run from one side to the, to the other. You have to choose your side. If you ever want any peace, you have to choose the winning side. And it's already been laid out in the battle plan. We already know who wins. And what I want us to focus on before we take up communion, I was looking through the great wars um, of the Old Testament. I've been studying them for a while now. And one that always um, comes to the forefront of my mind is the battle at Ai, um, where Joshua was leading Israel. And they were, God was just I mean, fighting for them and winning battle after battle. And they didn't really, I mean, they'd just come in there with, you know, little flags, woo and God would wipe out the whole country in front of them. They didn't even have to do anything. And they were enjoying this. And all of a sudden, they started getting their butts whooped by these little bitty countries, nations. And I remember this, this one right here at AI, you know, and it, it, was, it was a handful, of, and there was, there was no way they could defeat Israel, and they did. And Joshua was like, you know, tear your robes. Let's cry out. Well, something's happening here. And God pointed out there's sin in your camp. I'm not fighting for you if there's sin in your camp. Find it. And as a matter of fact, when you find it, destroy it and whoever brought it in. Because I will not fight for you if you allow sin in your camp. And as a matter of fact, over in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 14, it says, For the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and give your enemies over to you. Therefore, your camp shall be holy, that he may see no unclean thing among you and turn away from you. The Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp. The Lord walks in the midst of your home. The Lord walks in the midst of your thoughts, your motives, your heart, your mind. And he wants to fight for you. But if there is sin in your camp, he can't. He wants to fight for you. He said, I want to give your enemies over to you. But I must walk amongst your camp, and it must be holy. So I want us to take when the, um, I'll just let you serve yourself for communion. But I want you to take the time, and I want you to really commit to God. Ask him, when you take your cup and you take that bread, and you go find a place in the church here, sit down at the altar, in your pew, whatever, Ask God, number one, search my heart, search my mind, search me, God. If you find anything unclean, anything wicked, anything of sin in me, forgive me, cleanse me.
before you even partake of that communion. And then after he's done that, and after you've sanctified yourself, cleansed yourself, ask God to cleanse you, then recommit to him, I am in the Lord's army. I am a soldier for Christ. And with this blood and with this body, I will fight for freedom because it's in God's strength and it's in Jesus' victory that you are victorious. And recommit to that again today when you take up communion. So, Kevin, if you could just come up and just play on the guitar. You don't need to sing right now, but just play for us. And while Kevin plays, I want you to get up and do that. Take communion in the next couple minutes, and I'm going to come back again with a challenge for you. Yes, God, we thank you for that body that you offered broken for us, that we can be healed and we can be whole. Thank you for that blood of the new covenant. And we resolutely stand recommitted to you today, Lord, to fight for your freedom, for our freedom, and for the freedom of those who are still enslaved to sin. We'll fight to share the good news. We commit all our heart, mind, soul, and even all of our strength and to you, oh God. To you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Jesus. Mm. Yes, Lord. Jesus, Jesus. I want to challenge you. Two things. You can just keep playing. It's good. I want to call the whole church to a fast. How you fast, what you fast is between you and God. If you're married, I always encourage that you talk to your partner, talk to your husband, talk to your wife. Not so that you can point the accusing finger at each other when you don't feel like they're living up to their fast the way that you think they should, but to help hold them up in their fast. Um, I believe something is causing confusion in the church and in our mission. And we went from going full board to, I feel like, an idle position. So I'm calling us to fast and pray for number one, if there's sin in the camp, we need to get it out. Because we need God to fight our battle for us. We'll get tired and we'll get burned out if we try to do this in our own strength. And I don't know about you, but I'm getting too old. I don't want to. I want God to fight the battle for us. So I'm asking you, please, fast and pray. How long? What is up to you? Please. Don't just fast, don't just go without, but replace whatever you're going to fast with prayer. Fast and pray. So if you're fasting breakfast, then pray when you normally would eat that breakfast. If you're fasting t 
TV, then pray during that time you would normally sit down and watch TV. Whatever it is, don't just fast. Don't just go without. Fast and pray. And I'm asking you please to get dressed daily for battle. Because I don't want to see you picked off by the enemy because you were running around naked. Study. Study what that armor is that we read about in Ephesians 6. Study what it is. Study what those tools, those weapons are that he's given us. Study how to use them. And get dressed daily. Our battle cry, and I want you to write this down if you haven't been taking notes this whole time, get out a piece of paper or an offering envelope and write down this scripture because this is our battle cry and throughout this fast, and I, again, I don't know how long God's calling this fast for. We will stand on this scripture. Psalms 44, verse 5. Psalms 44, verse 5 says, Through you, through you, we will, speaking to God, through you, God, we will push down our enemies. Through your name, we will trample those who rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, nor shall my sword save me, but you have saved us from our enemies. And you have put to shame those who hated us. In God, we will boast all day long and praise his name forever. When you're in your darkest trial, your biggest struggle, praise him. Boast on him. He will fight for us. We will push down our enemies. And it's in his name that we will trample upon those who rise up against us. Fast, pray, and study what that armor is. Daily dress for battle. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for time in your word. And everything you've given us, God, we thank you for it. Lord, you have not left one thing undone. And you have made us completely aware to your plans, to the battle plan. You've given us all the equipment we need. You've given us instructions to follow. You've even told us what to say when we face our enemy. And then you even encourage us to just stand there and watch you fight for us. God, you're such a good God. Help us, Lord, to know that we can stand strong in your strength. We can stand in your power and watch you fight for us and give us the victory. Now, I ask that as we start this fast, Lord, this, that you would, Lord, first bring it to our mind what you would have us to fast and what you'd have us to set aside for this time. And bring us quickly to our knees to begin praying during this fasting time and preparing for the battle. Lord, that we've already begun. We're already in. Lord, it's too important to just shrug our shoulders and go about our life and, and just think that somebody else will pray, somebody else will fast, somebody else will fight. 
God, your word is plain, and it says we're either for you or we're against you. And God, we all stand today, and we declare that today, Lord, we recommit our stand with you. Let your Holy Spirit just rise up within us. Bring us the strength that we need. Give us your wisdom that, Lord, we can pray by your Holy Spirit according to your word what our mind can't even fathom. We don't need to try to figure out how things need to be done. You already have the plan. We just need to listen for it. And God, teach us during this fasting time and praying how to just listen for your instructions and simply stand and walk when you tell us to walk and do what you tell us to do. And we will be victorious. Have your way in our lives, in our homes, in this church, God, and let revival come to Marshall in the name of Jesus. Amen.